There's something that happens in the mind when our emotions and our rational thinking are on an even plane. We can contemplate, we can plan, we can discuss, because there's no pressure. You can do it in your own time, take as long as you want, it's easy. But as soon as we start getting overwhelmed by something that we don't expect, something we don't anticipate, our emotions start to go high. Mm. Our rational thinking starts to go low. Yeah. I actually didn't see anything big in this story. Yes, I've got over some massive injuries, but my complete overview of my shooting experience and getting back to work was, I went to work, I got shot, I fell down, I got up, I got better, I went back to work. And you know, for me, that's what it was. Welcome to episode 114 of Be The Drop, a weekly podcast that shares stories from a wide range of successful people to help you learn from their experiences. I'm Amelia Veal, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. Emotions can seem detrimental on our path to professional success, especially when decisions are driven by irrational responses. However, there is a place for emotion in our professional lives. And according to my guest this week, understanding this helps improve human durability, or what is often referred to as resilience. Derek McManus is a survivor, to say the least, and he has incredible stories to tell. Derek was in the South Australian Police Force for over 40 years, where he became a member of the Special Task and Rescue Group. During his time in the STAR group, he learned how to sustain optimum performance under pressure, which was put to the ultimate test when he was shot 14 times with a high-powered rifle. In today's episode of Be The Drop, Derek describes his rich history with risk and consequence, using examples from his life to explain human durability. He reveals how this concept is key in both business and personal success, and we also discuss how sharing stories can inspire and empower other people. This is Derek's version of Be The Drop. Do you want more communication insights? Then jump onto Facebook and join me and my community of brand storytelling superheroes. It's absolutely free to join and we share a range of helpful storytelling resources. So if this sounds like your kind of group, head over to Facebook and join the brand storytelling superheroes. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me, Derek, for our next episode of Be The Drop. Thank you for having me here. I'm really looking forward to it. Yes, me too, because I have heard your story before and I'm really interested and excited to share that with my listeners. But before we get into your story, you've got your item of significance here and that's something that gives us a little bit of context about who you are and sets the scene for how you communicate with your audience. Excellent. In my natural tendency, you've asked for an item. I've brought four. Fantastic. Great. Let's go then. The items are my uh, baseball in my career life, these are probably the four most significant things in my life. Uh, obviously, I've been a policeman for uh, just on 42 years, just over 42 years. Um, the first baseball cap is the one from uh, Special Task and Rescue Group, the STAR Group. Fantastic. Okay, That one just encapsulates everything that I've got absolutely passionate about. Um, I love being a cop, uh, absolutely super proud to be a, a cop, but there was a period in my career where 
Um, I thought, is this really the job I want to do? Uh, and I thought, well, I'll start looking for something else to do in my life. Maybe there's something I can get more passionate about. Uh, and long story short, one of my mates said, have you ever thought about joining Star Group? It would probably suit you. Um, got into Star Group, absolute beautiful place, sensational place. Got all the boys' toys you could ever ask for. It's got planes, it's got trains, it's got boats, it's got helicopters, diving, abseiling, weapons, taking on problems that other people go, oh my God, that's too big. Um, and we in Star Group go, bring it on, baby. Let's have a go at this. So, so I absolutely loved it. It became my passion. My family has always been my biggest passion, but in my working life, Star Group became that passion. Um, the next one is uh, Sniper. So uh, Sniper is one of the skill sets that I learnt while I was in uh, Star Group. Uh, essentially, as a marksman observer, and the observer part is probably the most important role we have. So it's a marksman because we can take out a target if we need to, but the observer is the most important part of that role. So we need to be able to move into position without being seen, without being heard, report on the information that we can see on the target, report it back to the boss, who can then make informed decisions for what he does with the rest of the team. The next one is the dive section. All right. Um, that is diving and retrieving bodies, evidence, where well, we do some commercial work as well, everything else in star group is action-packed adrenaline noise all the rest of it in the dive section you go underwater everything's silent mm. and it is just this beautiful world where nothing intrudes from the the noisy space and everything that you uh, are doing is generally in your mind but the last one um, is a very sun weathered hat uh, and it's from the sas mm -hmm. The SAS is the Special Air Services, it's the military elite. Uh, part of the Star Group brief is counter-terrorism. So if there was a terrorist incident within South Australia, Star Group would be the first responders to it. And uh, we get back up from the SAS um, if it becomes a, a major incident that is protracted. And this is where we got the trains, we got the planes, we got the boats, mm -hmm. we got high-rise buildings, we got all this sort of stuff and a very, very intense training. It was just exciting. Absolutely exciting. Uh, now, of course, all this comes with the inherent risks, mm -hmm. and that's where uh, I talk about what I talk about now. Right. Well, oh, my gosh, thank you so much for sharing these four hats. I'm glad you brought all four in. And I feel like we could talk for a long time, and I, there's lots of questions that are pinging in my mind, but I know that you've got one key story that I'd really like you to share, and that's going to lead on to, you know, what you're doing now and, and, and the directions that you've taken. So you've alluded a little bit to it. So, Derek, can you share with us then, you know, a key pivotal story yep. in your life and, and what you've learned from it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, back in 1994, uh, my section, Star Group, were asked to go and arrest a guy in the Barossa Valley. This person I had been involved with with two jobs in the past, and in the first job we got involved because he had made threats to shoot police. Uh, he was appearing in court for 197 counts of fraud. Uh, he'd failed to appear in court. The court had issued a warrant to arrest him. Uh, because of his previous threats, it was decided that Star Group would go up and do a high-risk arrest. We knew he was inside the house because we had one of our other marksman observers, snipers, sitting in the bush for about the last 20 minutes just watching the house, watching him. I've moved down the side of the house at this point um, and as I approached a glass sliding door to see whether we could make a more effective and efficient entry through a sliding door, uh, he started shooting. 
He fired 18 times in less than five seconds with a Chinese military assault rifle. This is the kind of weapon that the Chinese use when they go to war. He hit me 14 times. And the long story short is that when I fired, he stopped. I then rolled to my right and got out of the line and fire. Uh, and then I lay on the ground for about three hours before the boys could come in and get me out. I was continuously bleeding for this three hours. Um, and during that time I was monitoring my body closing down, I understood the physiology, but I knew there were four things that I needed to do to give myself the best chance of outcome by design. The first one was to control panic. Don't let panic take control of the situation. Next one was to control shock. Don't let shock take control of the blood flow in my body retain as much control of that as I possibly could. And the boys got me out, got me to uh, Dr. Bill Griggs, absolute legend in South Australia for anybody who does know him. He said that when he first saw me, he didn't know whether I was alive or dead because there was no colour, no movement, no sound, no breathing. Um, and he thought, oh, he's probably dead. I probably shouldn't even bother looking. I then took what he describes as a last gasping breath uh, and he describes a flicker of my eyelid. And at that point he thought, I may as well at least have a look. And I said to him, thanks very much. <laughs> what he doesn't tell people was that he was actually standing in direct line of fire. Bullets were whizzing around his ears at the time he was making this assessment. The guy's a legend, not just for that job, but a lot of other stuff that he did. I spent 28 days in hospital learning how to use each of my fingers again, using my arms, using my legs, learning how to take steps with all these massive injuries. Uh, it took me nine months to make a return to work, but that was only light duties, part-time. Uh, alternate duties as they call it these days um, and after two and a half years I made a return to Star Group on full duties. It's incredible and you've taken this, this process that you went through and you know your understanding you know in retrospect that actually you, you had a really good mechanism for dealing with this, for coping with this Absolutely. and you've turned that into training and conversations that you're having now about human durability. Yes. So I'd love for you to explain, you know, how you're sharing that story into skills that other people can use. Okay. So probably interesting to go right back to the very beginning because I actually didn't see anything big in this story. Yes, I've got over some massive injuries, but my complete overview of my shooting experience and getting back to work was I went to work, I got shot, I fell down, I got up, I got better, I went back to work. <laughs> and, you know, for me, that's what it was. But what I had done uh, in the lead-up to... Uh, going into Star Group was I'd been in the police department for a good number of years, uh, probably about 15 years at that time, uh, and I knew that going into Star Group was taking on the next level of challenge. But it wasn't just preparing myself physically where I prepare my body, it wasn't just preparing myself mentally where I know the policies, the procedures, the legislation, or the expectations. Um, I prepared myself emotionally as well, and that emotional preparation was, I think one of the keys to me surviving it. Certainly I had to have the, the physical ability to do it. I had to have the mental knowledge of all those processes. But when the emotions take over our body, all those mental processes go out the window because there's something that happens in the mind when our emotions and our rational thinking are on an even plane. Mm. We can contemplate, we can plan, we can discuss, we can uh, be reflective, we can you know, do all these things because there's no pressure. You can do it in your own time, take as long as you want. It's easy. But as soon as we start getting overwhelmed by something that we don't expect, something we don't anticipate, things are starting to go wrong, things are getting out of control, our emotions start to go high. Mm. Our rational thinking starts to go low. Yeah. And this is when we make statements or take actions that we really regret. We really look back and go, I'm better than that. I knew better than that. 
Why would I even do that? The first few times you go into a training scenario that's brand new, the emotions are, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are, how are we going to handle this? And the emotions are getting up here. Um, but we've got to understand that it, when we make decisions or take action, we've got to bring the emotion back down so that the rational thinking comes back up. And that's why we go through all this training. One of those things that I did was I went and had a conversation with my wife, now my ex-wife, but I had a conversation with her and I said, there's a reality here that I may be shot and injured, I may be shot and killed, right? We need to consider both of those because if I get shot and I die, what's gonna happen for you? What's gonna be the, the future for you? What's the rest of your life gonna look like? Uh, and we need to have a discussion of that so that you don't have an idea that maybe Derek would have wanted me to do this, maybe Derek would have wanted me to do this. Do I feel guilty because I want to do this? The other side was if I got shot and I was injured, what was going to be the future for us mm. under that scenario? Um, and my whole perspective was that death is a real possibility, right? So if I get shot and I don't die, anything better than death is going to be a bonus. And we discussed the fact mm. that I may be paraplegic, may be quadriplegic, and I may live the rest of my life uh, with massive physical injuries. Um, and I needed her to understand prior to it happening mm. that my perspective already was anything better than death is going to be a bonus to me. And that was important for her to know because if I said it afterwards, it would seem like a platitude and everybody yeah. would doubt it. But if you say it beforehand, mm. then this is an intentional thought. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. Life would be difficult. Life would be awkward and I mm. would not enjoy many parts of it. But I think emotionally, mm. I'd be as happy as I am today uh, with the decision that I made to go into Star Group. Mm. Right? And that's the big important thing. When we look back on our life, the decisions we made, did we make stupid decisions or were they smart, informed decisions? Mm. And I'd look back and say, I believe that was a smart, informed decision. So I knew what the risks were. We'd had a discussion about it and then we went forward. Mm. I then went on my own from that discussion and said, if I do happen to get shot, what would I like to do as an absolute perfect response? What is a perfect scenario mm. for getting shot? Uh, or for the response to getting shot. Now, a perfect outcome sits on one end of a continuum, as I see it. Um, and do we ever get perfection in our life? No. Very rarely, if ever. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure somebody would say they've had perfection. I, I think we very rarely get it. We get very close, and sometimes we will get perfection. I, I don't rule that out, but it's very, very rare. So once I had all those contingency plans, and, and these are just things, ideas in my mind, um, I then went away again uh, and sat down by myself and said, actually, I need to just visualise this. And I think the visualisation, I've never been trained in visualisation, and I just took that intuitively and put myself into the scenario of, if I do get shot, what could I expect of myself? Mm. And then what would I want myself to do better than that expectation? Mm. I love how you're bringing all these elements together. So for me, the things that stand out there is, you know, you're talking about emotional intelligence intention though there's a real intent to you know control or be prepared Absolutely. for and I suppose it's that preparation so for you are they those key elements in human durability the key element to, to human durability is having an open honest confronting conversation with yourself about reality of the future lots of people do it for business you know oh let's have contingency plans let's have business continuity plans uh, but that's all physical and mental stuff very few people actually look at it on the emotional side. When all these things are happening, where are my emotions going to be? Um, and we need to have some open, honest, confronting conversations with ourselves about what will actually happen in our mind and how have we responded in the past? What can we do in the future? And it is about intention. What's the intention you want? What's, as Stephen Covey would say, start with the end in mind, 
right? What's the end result you want? What do you need to do to make that happen? What do you have to have in place now so you can get to that point, to that point, to that point, to the end result that you want? Mm. And I suppose then the other thing that comes to my mind is how do we know what the things are that we need to prepare for? So for you in in Star Group, there's that real risk associated with being yep. shot. But um, I'm not as likely to be shot. No, <laughs> I certainly hope not. How would I apply those skills Beautiful. then? The context that I set out at the beginning of every workshop, every keynote that I do, is that I prepared myself for the choices that I had made in my life. So I made choices to put myself in those circumstances. It's really interesting when I talk to students or business people and I say, so what choices are you actually making in your life? What can you expect in your life that are going to come up as challenges as a result of the choices that you are making? The tools, processes and philosophies that I use to manage this extreme of being shot 14 times are the same tools, processes and philosophies that kids can use in the schoolyard, mums and dads can use in dealing with their children, businesses can use for having difficult conversations with their staff or implementing a new plan for growth in their business as well. Mm, Brilliant. An extension from human durability that you talk about is tactical leadership strategies. Can you explain that for me as well and you know how you've built that into your workshop? Absolutely. So the seven pillars of tactical leadership that I talk about are things that Uh, I learnt within Star Group, but they're things that the special forces around the world focus on um, in how to take on challenges that other people shy away from um, and do it with confidence and courage and belief that they are able to actually go in there, control the situation, bring calm to calamity um, and come out winners at the end. But I've also found that these are the same leadership qualities that any team leader, any executive, any manager, any business owner or entrepreneur needs to be focused on as well to have the outcomes they want. I've delivered to several businesses and they just go, that is so simple. Mm. It makes such perfect sense. These are the things that we will use at the extremes, but they can be used in everyday life as well. A lot of people just need a framework to work under. Mm. If they've got some idea of how these things come together, that framework gives them an idea, oh my gosh, this is something that's happening to me. My emotions are starting to go up here. Oh, hang on, I've got a framework to work around. Mm. My emotions come back down, I can calm down. Let's go back to the framework and work through it. Yeah, certainly when you're talking about that, you know, as your emotions go up, your rational thinking goes down. I think we can all relate to that at some stage or another. And this comes back to one of the things that I've built into the model for human durability as well. A lot of people say that we want peak performance. In business, in life, in sport, we want peak performance. Peak performance is sensational, but is peak performance sustainable? Mm. I don't believe so. Peak performance is when you are absolutely up there, you are pushing the limits, you are achieving the most, and if you try to achieve that, there's going to be burnout and bang, there's going to be a drop. So I talk about optimum performance. Optimum performance is sustainable, but we've got to be gentle on ourselves when we assess that optimum performance. Now this does come back to the story of the shooting. I took a look at what the future might hold for me. Being shot was a reality, it was a possibility. I may be shot and injured, I may be shot and killed. I actually said to myself, I'm making choices where I may be shot. If it does happen, how do I sustain an optimum performance under those circumstances? Mm. And that's when I said I need to be able to control shock, not let shock take control of my body. Control panic, not let panic Mm. take control of the situation. Slow down my heart rate, slow down my breathing. If I could control those things, that would give me a better chance of coming back up to the place that I wanted to be. That's something that a lot of people don't understand. Optimum performance is absolutely perfect. 
peak performance is part of optimum at the right time, but we've also got to be gentle enough on ourselves to say, during the global financial crisis, can our business still sustain mm. an absolute peak performance? No, absolutely not. When we've got issues at home with our marriage, with our children, one of them sick and is in hospital, can we expect ourselves to perform at a peak? No. Under those circumstances, what's optimum? Mm. Okay, I can get into the office, I can manage the emails, I can make some key decisions, but I'm going to hand some stuff over to you. I can't handle it at the moment. Mm. It's all about understanding ourselves. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be annoyed at something. But do you want to stay in that place? Mm. So I don't encourage anybody to wallow in self-pity. No. But allow yourself some time to feel, feel that anger. Feel the emotions. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. The emotion goes up there. Now I need to make a decision or take action. Let's bring the emotion back down. But understanding that life is going up and down all the time and we have some peaks and we have some serious troughs and then it comes back and it's going up and down. I think that's just part of understanding ourselves as well. It can't be all mm. roses and rainbows and sunshine. Mm. No, no, that's not life. No, it's not <laughs> life at all, never. All right, now you've got some books as yes, well. Are they absolutely. part of the tools that you do um, to help people with managing this? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there was a particular event happening in the world going back a number of years and uh, people encouraged me to write a book uh, about how I dealt with my fear. So uh, that's the first book. It's called Fighting the Fear Factory. The fear factory being mm-hmm. the, our minds. Yeah. Um, and as the old cliche goes, our fears are generally bigger in our minds than what they are in reality. Mm. So the book on Fighting the Fear Factory is some of my perspectives prior to going into Star Group, what made me think I could actually take on Star Group as a job when other people are going, why would you do that? You're crazy. And I'm going, yep, I'm crazy. Bring it on. Um, some of the stuff that I did just prior to the shooting and certainly some of the stuff that I did after the shooting that allowed me to go back to Star Group and be just as confident as I was prior Mm. to the shooting. Uh, I ran a personal development program for ANZ Bank. Uh, We did about four programs together uh, and they insisted that every member uh, of that program got one of those books. Mm, Great, good. Yeah. Um, The second one is The Voice Inside Your Head and this is just a book of quotes that either other people have uh, said and they've resonated with me, or things that I've said to people and they've gone, Derek, love what you've said there. Say that again. It encapsulates lots of influences in my life. Uh, There's a quote in there from my father. I was talking about being lucky, and this was as a a young child. You know, some people are lucky, I'm not lucky, was probably the conversation. I can't remember what that was, but the, the quote that resonates with me all the time and reverberates in my mind was my father said, Derek, isn't it interesting? The harder you try, the more you practice, the luckier you get. <laughs> we create our own luck in life. Yeah. Right? If you really want it, if you're passionate about it, you will do the hard work. You will put it in the practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I talk about in the programs, again, on that practice, is that in Star Group, we practice, we rehearse, we drill. Mm. Practice, rehearse, drill. Practice, rehearse, drill. Mm. And that's our mantra for getting to be as good as we are mm. at dealing with those massive challenges. Well, and potentially we, it saved your life. No doubt about it. That practice, rehearse, drill in my mind... Um, I believe is what saved my life. And the last resource is a CD that I recorded. Now this is a CD uh, from about uh, four or five years ago and it's a CD just encapsulating all my thoughts that go into the program. Uh, It talks about a confidence reinforcing loop. Uh, If you can picture a circle, uh, at the top of the circle you have confidence. If you go around the circle you make an attempt at something that you have a little bit of confidence at. If you are successful, it keeps going around the circle, uh, you're successful and then you go around the circle a bit further and if you are successful it builds up your belief. But what happens when you have an attempt and it's unsuccessful? Mm. 
Right now, this is where a lot of people get destroyed. They get embarrassed. They get shy. You have to go back up to the top. <laughs> well, what what happens is you've got one circle on the left, which is the successful one. The second circle on the right is the unsuccessful loop. Mm. And a lot of people say, well, that's when I drop out. No, I'll back away. I'll run away. And kids in particular. Um, but what I say on that second circle is if you are unsuccessful, you need to reflect, mm. learn and tweak and then have another attempt. You may be unsuccessful again, but when you get that little bit of success, back comes a belief. Mm. But now what happens is if you're successful, it goes on this circle. If you're unsuccessful, it goes on this circle. And I find that every time you step up to the next challenge, Generally speaking, you'll come back onto this unsuccessful loop every now and then before you get back onto the successful. Mm. And what I find is that the two circles intertwine mm. to make the infinite loop. If we understand that, it makes it more comfortable to actually fail. Yeah. And I have no problems talking about failing or being stupid or being an idiot because I don't think it's the words that matter that you say to yourself. It's, mm. That's a confronting conversation. I'm an idiot. I should have known better. Mm. It's what you do immediately afterwards. Do you say, I'm an idiot, and then go and hide and run in the corner? Mm. Or do you say, I'm an idiot, and then say, what can I do to change this? Mm. What can I do to do better next time? Mm. And that's the important part of you know, confronting yourself about your actions. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Derek, for sharing your stories and your insights with us today. In conclusion, though, can you share with me Derek's Be The Drop tip? And so that's your top tip for really how to communicate your story and how to bring people together and, and how to help them learn from your story. I honestly believe it's just a matter of people relaxing and not putting so much pressure on themselves but being prepared to have that open, honest, confronting conversation about this is the real future. What tools do I actually have in place to help that happen? What are the potential risks that might come out of that? And am I prepared to have both the extreme great result or the extreme bad result? And if you can't handle the extreme bad result, then you've got to take a step back, maybe make a different choice, or maybe do a little bit more in preparation for creating the outcome you want. And this is where the model for durability comes in. That gives you the process to put that in happen. Mm. So be gentle with yourself, but have a confronting conversation with yourself at the same time. Mm. Be understanding you have a certain skill set. If you want to achieve some big things, sometimes you've got to go away and get some more help. Mm. So really take responsibility for the outcomes you want. Absolutely. Yeah. Take responsibility for choice as well as consequence. Mm. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Derek. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been great. The conversation's been insightful for me as well. Oh, good. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. <laughs>